Now, we're going to do this a little differently today, and uh, I'm going to interview Hassan John, uh, really because he's so extraordinary, and his story has got so many important facets, uh, and yet they, as we're going to see, all really relate to our, our theme. And um, the, the, many of you will know that we're doing this series uh, looking at the Sermon on the Mount. If the heart of the Bible is the Gospels, the story of Jesus, the heart of the Gospels is the Sermon on the Mount. This is the absolute essence of Jesus' teaching. And so we're getting right to the, the important stuff on how do we live as followers of Jesus at a time like this. And uh, so we're going to just look at um, uh, Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 21 to 26 together. And, and uh, against the backdrop of that scripture, I'm going to interview um, Hassan. Now, Hassan has, wears many hats. And um, first of all, he's uh, a church leader uh, just outside Jos in, in, in Nigeria. And um, so we're going to hear about that. He trains other pastors and evangelists, often, often in uh, areas that are quite dangerous. Um, their, their church has been uh, burnt down and attacked. The, they've experienced martyrdoms. And so this is someone who can speak quite powerfully about anger, uh, which is one of the themes today, and forgiveness and reconciliation. Uh, he's also a journalist. Uh, a very brave journalist uh, who um, has broken a number of very key stories relating to Boko uh, Haram. You may remember about the 276, was it, schoolgirls who were kidnapped about three years ago. And uh, uh, um, that's a story that Hassan John broke to the world news. Uh, and uh, he has a price on his head. And so this is a brave and a remarkable man, married with three kids, and, um, and, and um, he's also he's traveling. His chauffeurs today are Rob and Nancy Gifford. Just stand, just stand and say hi, Rob and Nancy. Um, and and they, they, Rob is the um, China editor for The Economist uh, magazine. So when your chauffeur is one of the editors of The Economist, uh, you know that uh, it's a serious business. So I, I've got so many questions I want to ask you, Hassan, but we're just going to... Uh, can we just stand for the reading of God's Word first? Thank you. So this is the words of Jesus, Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 to 26. Jesus says to us, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, and then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it whilst you're still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. 
Amen. Challenging words from Jesus. Do be seated, please. So, Hassan, thank you for being here so thank much. Thank you for having me. It's a privilege. Thank you so much. Um, our first question, we're going to get right to the chase, okay? So, Jesus says, don't murder and don't be angry because anger is a form of murder. And he's quite strong on that. But you live in a context where you're in danger and your people are in danger there's a lot of violence against you from radical Islamists. How do you forgive? How do you not get angry? How do you build for reconciliation, yet at the same time stand for justice? The beautiful thing about um, what Jesus said here is how do you react you know, to all these things around you? Because they can be very frustrating, uh, very annoying, and um, they definitely elicit so much anger, which, has, which leads to hatred. And uh, I, I've experienced that severally um, in Nigeria with so much uh, incidences, particularly against the church. Now, so when I say the church, I mean uh, the conflict that we've had with radical Islam, so either Boko Haram on one part, or radical Islamic Fulani militia herdsmen on the other part, two different groups entirely, but all against the church, Christian communities. And how do you not get angry when um, you see communities are attacked, women and children are butchered at night, their hearts are set all on fire? Uh, how do you not get angry when you hear the narrative, especially by our politicians who say, oh, no, don't worry, this is just a small herder, uh, uh, hurt men conflict is just poverty is just corruption is just so you get angry because you know that these things are not that that's not the narrative that's not the fact uh, the united nations says as of 2016 that 200,000 people were killed um, but that's completely an under in in nigeria in nigeria yes wow but that is 2016 actually 2015 uh, but we know the number has doubled now last year alone about 6,000 people were killed in that region uh, most of it, and yet, yes, no, don't worry, it's just this little thing. Now, the issue here is, personally, I got so angry at some point that I actually went to buy an AK-47. And I think the only thing that uh, I didn't, why I didn't get the gun was because I didn't have the money then. It was just about, it was about a thousand pounds to get an AK-47 in the black market. And I didn't have that money. I think that was perhaps the reason why I didn't go for that. However, just like we read, uh, Jesus now would want to know, rather, what he's teaching us is how do we respond? Because he's given us love, he's given us reconciliation. I didn't think about that at that moment. The only turning point I had, which is fantastic for me, was God sitting there, and by the way, I'm a pastor of a church, and there's a pastor that wants an AK-47, so you know how bad it got. <laughs> no, trust so, me, I've had my moments too. <laughs> Yeah, so that's how bad it got. <laughs> but, you know, by God's divine grace, there's this little girl that comes around. She's selling hawking peanuts. Uh, they do that a lot in Nigeria. And we are so divided that Muslims don't talk to Christians at all. But this little girl comes. She's hawking peanuts. She's not in school. It was a Thursday morning. And I asked, why, why are you not in school? And she says, my parents can't afford school fees. I said, no, that is primary school. And it's relatively cheap. But 
she said her father was killed in the crisis, so I felt so much sympathy. And I said, look, go tell your mother that I'll pay your fees. And I added, well, of course, if you'll marry me too. And you know, the girl laughs and she walks away. But somehow in my mind, I thought, well, this little girl either is refusing to go to school or she may not represent the, the, the whole story clearly to her mother. So I decided to follow her uh, to go to her mom and just to realize as we walked down the street that she's a Muslim. And as she walked into the community two weeks before then, somebody was killed, actually a Christian was killed in that Muslim community because if you go in there, nobody even finds your dead body. So I walk with this girl. Some part of me is saying, you must be stupid. Turn around. Don't worry what the girl will think. If you're a lying pastor, just turn around and then walk away. But I kept following her anyway. Now, to cut the long story short, I met the parents. Uh, eventually, I met this wonderful Muslim woman who you know, was so grateful that I want to pay her daughter's uh, fees. And she says there are four other children uh, who are not able to go to school. <laughs> So I did a quick math. I said, well, that, no, it's okay. I can handle that. I, I, I'll take all of them. But it dawned on me also that if this little girl, which is, and this girl was about five years old, by the way, and I said, if this little girl is hawking to feed the family, then there is an issue. So I asked the mother, what do you do? She says, nothing. So I said, okay, if I'm able to organize some kind of skill acquisition for you, will you be happy to do that? She said, that would be great. Actually, when the husband was killed in the crisis, there are three other wives. So again, I did a quick math. I said, okay, no worry. <laughs> Not, I mean, it, it's okay, I can handle that. Anyway, two weeks down the line, I said, look, get this other, uh, your mates and any other woman uh, within the community who you think will need this skill acquisition and will help. So we got started with 15, then they went to 86, then they went to 186. 186 Muslim women. And, and, and you were giving them skills yes. so that they could get jobs. Yes. Actually, I started doing that myself because when I brought the report to my Christian community, I said, hey, something wonderful is happening. We have Muslim women that need to be trained. They said, we don't want to get killed. You go ahead and do it yourself. So I started with my wife teaching them how to boil rice and turn it into do some confectionaries. I'm a terrible cake baker, by the way. But they didn't know that. So, <laughs> but they learned anyways. Anyway, eventually... But wait, wait. Why weren't you afraid of being killed? At that point, I think what was in my mind was just simply, this is, look at this loving, wonderful woman with their children and these children. For all these women, 146 of them combined together, all their children who are also not going to school. So I called my bishop to tell him how much trouble I've created for myself. <laughs> and he graciously agreed to now, you know, take on and give scholarship to all the children. Wow. So we got this relationship, beautiful relationship that we've built till today. Now, one Sunday in church, now if you're in Nigeria or just Nigeria, um, you would, to go to church, you will have to pass a couple of checkpoints. And there must be, um, you know, barricades around the perimeter to stop suicide bombers. Um, and that was also why I wanted the AK-47 in the first place, because so many churches have been bombed. Uh, little girls, eight, ten years old, will be strapped with suicide vests, and their handlers will be somewhere in the distance, and they will tell the girls to walk into a church just as people are coming out of service, and they will detonate the bomb. So we've had that again and again. But um, 
So we were in church service this Sunday, and there was so much noise outside. There was a siren, and then the imam that I've had this relationship with now says, Hassan, I'm sorry about all this noise. It's, it has nothing to do with me. I said, what are you talking about? He says, well, so they described the incident. Uh, one of the Muslim youths was heading towards the church with a device, with an explosive device. But they noticed and quickly alerted the police. And so all I heard was the anti-bomb squad taking the device away. And he looks at me in the face and said, Hassan, I promise you, for all you've done in this community, I swear to you, nothing will happen to your church. We will protect it because you've been so good to us. And I said, this is what I wanted to solve with an AK-47. But this is the transformation that the Lord has brought. So everything I had about the hatred disappeared, the love kicked in. Um, till today, anytime any of the Muslim women gives birth to a child, they'll call, hi, Pastor Hassan, um, oh, we just have a new baby. Would you come and see the child? I said, you know I'm coming to, of course that's why I'm calling you. Come and pray for the child. We want you to bless this child. So we've built this relationship. One of the young men called me one evening and said, uh, Pastor, I want to see you. I said, any problem? He says, no. Uh, I've just been wondering. I've seen all that you've done. Why do you do what you do? Uh, I was part of the young men that attacked a church. We've burnt it down. We killed quite a number of people. But I just can't seem to sort you out. And I said, look, it's just Jesus Christ. He says, no, I've, I've heard all about this Jesus thing. And um, I, just, I just want to know why you do what you do. And I looked at him in the face and I said, it's because of the transforming power of Jesus Christ in my life. I once was a sinner, but now I'm just a happy, loving, you know, pastor who wants to do whatever I can to express the love of Christ in the community. Anyway, two days later, he calls me and he gives his life to Christ. So, so it's, it's just been amazing, yeah. So by not taking the AK-47 and risking generosity. You, you're giving skills training and education to hundreds yeah. of people who are supposed to be your enemies, yeah. but you, you've loved them yeah. in the way of Jesus. Yeah. And as a result of that, there's reconciliation. That's right. There's protection that's, that's right. being given to you. People are coming to know the Lord Jesus. You, as well as being courageous and, and, and Nigerian, you're, you're a pastor. Yes. And this is a room full of people who will have different challenges, but many of us will struggle with anger because uh, terrible things have happened to people in this, in, in this room. Yeah. I mean, really terrible things. Uh, how do we make that choice? How do we um, forgive? How do we um, let go of anger when we feel very, very angry and for good reason. Yeah. Now, as much as the Bible expects us, I think James mentioned it, um, you, you get angry, uh, but you do not let it go so long and it consumes you. But the issue is what are you angry at? Because most of the time we are angry because we see injustice. We feel we've been ill-treated. And we see that things are just not going the way we expect them to. So we really, really get angry. Now, this issue is anger solicits a reaction all the time. And that's what Jesus is cautioning. You can't get angry and not want to do something about it. But what Jesus is saying is, yes, it is right to get angry, particularly at injustice, uh, as, uh, particularly when people are really maltreated. People have been 
I mean, I've seen women in Nigeria that have been raped. Uh, I've seen, I've, I've been shot at by the army, the soldier, and uh, by God's mercy, I'm alive today. And you have a price on your head. And I do have a price on my head. How, can yeah. I ask how much? <laughs> About 500 pounds. I didn't know I was that cheap. I don't know. It just sounds really scary. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. you've got all of this. Yes. Now, the thing is, what do you do? What, what would you do with this? So what Jesus is saying is, my peace I give to you. Now, if you look at the cross and you look at the image of the dying Christ who surrendered everything in heaven just to hang on that cross to express and demonstrate this love, and to bridge us, bridge us and bring us back to God. So you see the pains, but though, again, you see the love all right. hanging on that cross. Yeah. And for me, it's the most powerful image. Yeah. And so consistently, my faith has grown so, so much in the midst of all this crisis, so mm. much that I'm so confident mm. about this God because I've seen him operate in every, every area and every sphere of the community and in my life. I have been to refugee camps with 15,000, 30,000 people in, in those camps. And you can see the despair, the frustration. And yet, the moment you introduce Jesus, you introduce the cross, you now begin to see the transformation. Yes, places, I mean, there's the tragedy is there. We live in a fallen world. We live in societies and communities where people will annoy us. I mean, we just read in the, in the Bible, uh, the Bible says if you call somebody a fool, mm. you are liable to go to hell. And I think I'm, I'm always on my way to hell. <laughs> because I, I can't see this driver on the road driving <laughs> the way. I mean, you guys, it doesn't happen here. <laughs> but I, I always call the guy driving anyhow, you know, I just always call him a fool. So, I, I, you know, you guys are, you know, like I said, but... <laughs> But it happens. But consistently, you know, you come back to what is, what is this life all about? You yeah. know, where do you find the grace, the love? Yeah. Where do you find, um, I think, the fullness of life, as the Bible has said, yeah. and it is in Jesus Christ. And when I found that and I held on to that, mm. I could now see everything, everything through Jesus Christ. And it has not just made life um, great. It's just made it exciting and joyful and, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, it's difficult to express. It's, it's <laughs> amazing because you're describing very unjoyful, very scary things, and yet you are so clearly full of joy and, and hope. Tell us a little bit about the fight against uh, tra human trafficking. I know you were involved in making a, a film that's won awards for, for uh, tracing that. And also, you, of course, you you broke this, this, this story about, uh, about the kidnapped girls. So you, 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 I think you're, you work for CNN, don't yeah. you, as a journalist. But tell us a little bit about, about your fight ag against trafficking and, and all of that. Yeah, so um, during uh, the, all the period of all the crisis um, in, in Jaws and in northern Nigeria, so um, somebody contacted me, I, I think Ben, what is his name, from CNN at Atlanta, and said, Look, uh, we've heard you have been around and you've been doing some kind of reporting uh, about the crisis. Would you want to report for CNN? And I said, yeah, well, that's good. Every journalist in Nigeria wants to report for CNN. But anyway, so I, I did agree. Um, so after a couple of 
months of reporting, then the story of the abduction of the Chibok girls. So uh, Maiduguri is northeastern Nigeria. Uh, it's about seven hours drive from where I live. Um, Boko Haram had destroyed all the cell phone towers around that place. So it was very difficult to get any information coming out. But somehow we started getting the rumor that girls were abducted in a secondary school. Uh, we tried getting the information, and from the 14th of April all the way to about the 17th of April, nobody was sure of anything. So we tried contacting the military. They said, no, nothing like that happened. We called on the government. They said, no, it's just, it's just rumor, nothing. Let's not even worry about it. But a parent that was able to get to a hill where he got just one bar from his cell phone, he was able now to call to say, look, we can't find our girls. So I contacted CNN, um, and I said, look, this is what is happening. So uh, somebody then still called back from CNN to say, could we find out and really get to the root of this story? But because Chibok is, again, about three hours drive completely into the heart of Boko Haram territory, they had already declared a caliphate, and the headquarters of the caliphate was just about 30 minutes away from Chibok. So that became difficult. Nobody wanted to go in. But anyway, we, um, we arranged to do the, the story. Um, I contacted a few friends I had in the military to ask about the security, and they said, clearly it's a no-go area. They wouldn't go, and definitely they cannot give us any protection or any escort. So we still did manage to arrange to go. Uh, a miraculous incident on the way was we had two vehicles that were driving. The one that was, I was in front, the one that was behind me, for reasons we just can't explain, um, had an accident and it went into a somersault into the bush. Uh, one of the passengers, one of the person that was in the vehicle, thankfully not any of the reporters, uh, that would have stopped the story, but had a spinal injury, but we didn't know that too much later. But anyway, we were able to get into Maiduguri, uh, then plan to go into Chibok, but nobody would go, but you know, it's Nigeria. A few called a policeman, we spoke some more, bribed him with about $600, and he was able to lead us in. We got into Chibok to find out that, yes, the girls have disappeared, the school had been burnt, the families are completely, completely, you know, in, in, in shock and pains of the loss of these girls. So right from uh, Chibok, we now started reporting to say the Chibok girls have, the girls have been abducted. Um, but by the time we got back to Maiduguri, which is three hours, the military had visited our hotel. They wanted to know what we were doing there. They wanted to know what story we've gotten. They wanted to know what we've been told in Chibok. And so we had to actually, uh, we had to get a private jet to come in to take us out because we couldn't race during the seven hours uh, drive from Maiduguri because that would have been dangerous. Either Boko Haram or even the army itself, and the story would have been different. Yeah, then... Like you did mention, um, Nigeria is a hub of human sex slave trafficking in the world. That is uh, Edo State, uh, Benin, that's in Edo, uh, southeastern part of the country. So again, um, because Nima from London here in CNN office had already done a story from the Libya angle uh, where she went to the slave market. So she called to say, look, uh, we need to do a, a backtrace to Nigeria and really get to this, this story. What do we do? So I said, well, just give me a couple of days. I did call my friends around, 
And we, I went down to Edo and found out that it's a multi-million dollars industry down there involving even Christian organizations who would want to pray for the, sex, uh, for the, tra for the traffic girls so that they do not cap their boats do not capsize off into the Mediterranean Sea as they you know, tried crossing to, to Europe. But anyway, so we went through all the, uh, and trying to get from one middleman and one fixer to the other, and we eventually got to the kingpins who were into this uh, trafficking. So we had to disguise Nima and Leposo, who's a Kenyan. So I came as one who have these girls and I want them trafficked. Um, we arranged that with all our hidden cameras, uh, did all the recordings, um, and we did produce the, music, uh, the, 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 the video, the documentary that showed February last year. Um, and I think I got about two or three awards, uh, international awards. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's shocking. You, you, you see people being literally sold. I mean, yes. at auction, yes. human beings called, referred to as merchandise. Yes. It, it, I mean, just, yes. Just so uh, particularly, of course, I brought my, these girls, literally what I did was I sold them. We got them in a, in a bus um, and they were on their way being shipped now to Kano, that's the northern city in Nigeria, then to Agadez in Niger Republic, and then eventually to Libya. And from there, they would have been ferried uh, to Europe here. Incredible. Yeah. So, I mean, these, these deeply disturbing stories. Um, we, we love to pray as a church. We're praying night and day right now. How can we pray for Nigeria, for northern Nigeria, and how can we pray about, we have a, a number of people in the church who, who, who really work right on the front lines of fighting human trafficking. How do we pray into such big problems? Yeah. Can you give us a few practical pointers? Let me say for us in Nigeria, um, I think being 10 years in, in this, what I call war, um, with radical Islam and everything that is going on. I think we have come to perhaps a position, maybe not, not an ideal situation, where uh, we think we clearly know now who and what our enemies are, and we are able to, at least by the power of God, uh, contend with them. And that is why uh, we now have, uh, I'm now working with 150 pastors who are going to be taking the gospel right into the regions that are controlled by Boko Haram. So what we thought is, well, if Boko Haram is attacking and trying to destroy the churches, uh, why would, don't we just simply take them by surprise? Um, go underground, uh, get all these young girls and boys that they're radicalizing, and begin to give them an alternative narrative of the gospel. So that's what we'll be doing. Uh, we started the training in uh, December. Uh, in two weeks or thereabout, we'll be meeting again, and we'll be now going underground into these areas controlled by Boko Haram. Now, the thing is, and this is where I think we need the prayer, is uh, like we discussed with all the pastors, um, they, we all know that in that region, if you are a Christian or a pastor, you get killed immediately. Actually, if you are even a teacher, that's why they are called Boko Haram. That's education, Western education is, is a sin. Um, if you are seen holding a pen or a notebook, you got killed. So taking anything physical into those areas will be very, very difficult. So we are re-strategizing. But the issue is, 
uh, like we all agreed, um, as we go on the ground, if anything goes wrong, they all know possibly that they are not coming back alive. Uh, and we are all happy with this because we sincerely believe that the gospel that we have is worth living for and is worth dying for. And we're not compromising that for anything. Nice. Yeah, nice. not at all. Um, yeah, but on the, on the other part, I think, I think much more is, um, I think the appeal comes to all of us and to all of you. I think we are, where we find our source of inspiration also is when we know that there are Christians out there all over the world that are also standing for their faith. Uh, this faith that we are dying for is to always say, please don't take it lightly. We know what we have. We are proud of what we have. We enjoy, you know, our relationship with God. But our worry is if out here in the West, uh, you take this faith lightly. Huh. Uh, it, no, so we will feel, we'll feel betrayed by yes. our brothers because it doesn't really seem that they know this faith. They know this God and they are perhaps not, you know, so, so committed to him. Yes. But I, I think basically that's just, so our prayer yes. basically is maybe backwards, is to say to you all, and I appeal to you all to say, please hold on to this faith and hold it passionately. Yeah, yeah. wow. What a challenge. You and your friends are laying your lives down for the gospel. Yeah. And, and thank you for coming to challenge us about our cowardice. Sometimes we're just too scared to even speak up about our faith just in case someone does, says something unkind. And uh, we're so challenged by your example to, because the gospel is the hope. Isn't the gospel is the hope? That's what we've heard. Well, um, Mervyn, would you come and just lead our, our prayers? Um, you all know Mervyn Thomas who uh, founded CSW that's at the forefront of, of um, advocacy for um, people being persecuted for their faith all around the world. And um, uh, Mer Mervyn's a hero. He's been pouring himself out for situations like uh, Northern Nigeria and others for, for, for many, many years. And so um, I, I, we, we, would just, we would love to pray for you, to pray for your church, uh, we, uh, to pray for uh, this uh, extraordinary training initiative to, to take the gospel out into the heartlands of Boko Haram, and uh, we, we just we just can we can we just um, uh, I wonder if we could just stand together and Merv, would you would you lead our prayers? Mm, absolutely. Father God. We thank you for our dear brother, Hassan. Lord, we thank you for the courage you've given him. We thank you, Lord, for uh, the heart that he has uh, for those people that wish to kill him, Lord, that wish to destroy your church. But, Lord, we read that um, you said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And, Lord, I want to thank you for our brother and all those others 
in northern Nigeria, Lord, who are taking the same stand, those who are prepared to take your gospel deep into enemy territory. Lord, those people who are prepared to say, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Lord, I want to pray, Lord Jesus, that you will protect our brother. I want to pray, Lord, that you will uh, surround him, uh, Lord, with a, uh, with a pillar of fire, Lord, with, uh, that, that you would go before him, and that you would surround him, and that you would be his rear guard. And Lord, we pray uh, for success in all that he does. Lord, we pray that we will hear in the future, Lord, that you are uh, saving souls, that people, uh, Lord, Muslims all over northern Nigeria are coming to you in their hordes, that you use this brother, uh, Lord, that you use others like him. Oh, Lord Jesus, there will be a fire that sweeps across northern Nigeria. Lord Jesus, I want to pray, Lord, that you would give him all that he needs, that you will be all in all to him. Oh, and Lord, I just want to pray. I want to pray too for next weekend with the elections in, in Nigeria. Yes, God. Oh, Lord, as the, president, the president's elections, Lord, we pray, uh, Lord, that the right man will win that vote. Lord, and we pray uh, that it will not lead to bloodshed. We will pray that it would not lead to violence. We will pray that it would lead to a time of peace and security in that great nation. Lord, and I pray for ourselves. Lord, as we've heard the testimony of our brother this morning. Lord, as he comes to us from a place uh, Lord, of where people are dying, they're giving their lives on a regular basis, and yet, Lord, we see joy in his heart, a joy unspeakable and full of glory. Lord, we want that joy. Lord, we moan and complain about so many things, uh, but, Lord, you can give us that same joy. Lord, and I pray, uh, Lord Jesus, as we have heard from our brother this morning, Lord, that we will be inspired, we will be challenged, we will be prepared to say, Lord, wherever you take me, I will go. Lord, whatever you ask me to do, I will do. And Lord Jesus, I pray that from this meeting this morning, Lord, an army here in Guildford will go forth into the places where you're sending us. Lord, wherever that may be, Lord, but we might go forth in the power of your Holy Spirit, challenged and moved, Lord, that we might see this nation, uh, Lord, where people are not being killed every day as they are in northern Nigeria, but they need you just as badly. Take us, help us to go forth in your name, because we ask it in the precious and matchless holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.